0: Man, uh, make let me know if y'all can hear me, man. Hope everyone's doing good. We have a huge, huge show tonight, man. We we have we have a lot of football to talk about. This is a big week in the FCS, just in just in in general, man. We got like four top twenty-five matchups, two top ten matchups, and that might not even be the most anticipated. None of those might be the most anticipated game of the weekend. We all know what that is, so. Got a packed show tonight. We're we're doing Walter Payton breakdowns, Buck Buchanan breakdowns. We're also going to introduce the uh the Jerry Rice watch list for the first time. So if you, I'm sure everyone here knows because Shador Sanders won this last year. I'm going to give you my top three candidates to to win the Freshman of the Year um up to this point. I, I waited till now because there were a lot of freshmen who weren't getting an opportunity early in the season, and it's really hard to kind of determine who's going to emerge as a, a as a Jerry Rice Award candidate up until we get to about the midpoint of the season. But I think three or four strong guys have emerged, and also it's very weird with how the eligibility is going to be determined for some players. There are two players right now who technically classify as freshmen but have played a full season of FCS football due to the covid year so i don't know if they're going to get a uh, another shot at the Jerry Rice award or be, or if since they've played a full season at the FCS level and just it didn't count toward their eligibility whether or not they're going to be excluded so uh there's two players i really want to mention but i want to get clarity from the committee before i before i give my take on on their candidacy i guess for, for the jay rice award man but hit the like button hit the subscribe button also you might have noticed some changes down at the ticker we're hashtag road to 6k at this point man thank you guys so much hit 5k i think just before the show i jumped on here and, and, and noticed it so thank you guys so much man i i never thought this channel would even reach half of of, of what it's become man so appreciate y'all so much man but listen call in number 701 779 Nine five eight five, And my guy Sean got the membership link in the chat and the call-in number on deck for you guys. And you guys can call in. We talk about any game y'all want to, but let's start the show off with, with the Walter Payton Award watch list. It's the same as last week, except Shador's at three this week. Man, Lindsey Scott at one, He's just he's been putting up a ridiculous pace. Also, we got Tim Demore at two and Shador Sanders at three. I think these three guys are the best three offensive players in the country right now at the FCS level. The reason I give it to Lindsey Scott is due to his level of difficulty. He has an FBS win on his resume, has a top 10 FCS win on his resume, and right now he's played the toughest streak to schedule by about 40 spots. So I'm giving it to Lindsey Scott. He's done it in the biggest games. He's been just, he's been rolling. As T said down here, man, he's just been rolling. And I agree, man. 5K, cannot believe it. But Tim Demoret has put up a ridiculous pace. He's in in what, seven games for Tim Demoret? The Fordham has a bye week this week. He's thrown for 3,000 yards, man. I, I just it, it, the pace that Demore is putting on. I mean, he's still technically on pace, especially if they make it to the playoffs to, for potentially six thousand yards this year. Man, he's he's putting up stupid numbers. And then Shador had a big week last week. Is just under two thousand yards passing, twenty-two passing touchdowns, two rushing. And, and you see the stats below. Lindsey Scott leads the country in passer efficiency, and right now Lindsey Scott's on on pace to potentially break the record for the highest passer efficiency in a single season um, in college football. So Lindsey Scott have, has that over everyone. He's second in completion percentage, second in passing yards and passing touchdowns. DeMorette, right behind him in passer efficiency, still leads the country in passing yards and touchdowns. Shador, top 10 in passer efficiency, and he's top three in passing touchdowns and passing yards. These are the top three guys, and it, it's going to – uh that is going to be these three guys for the rest of the way. Now, the running back from Monmouth, if you guys, in case you guys want to know who I had up there last week, he he had 80 yards or so rushing last week. And I think as a running back, you're going to have to hit that 100 yard mark week in and week out. And they have a, what's hurting his candidacy for the Walter Payton is they have a backup running back who has 13 rushing touchdowns to his seven. So the fact that they run a dual running back system is really taking away from the Monmouth running backs um, resume right now. So Lindsey Scott, Tim DeMar would be my ballot right now for the Walter Payton zero changes. I'm a, I'm a glide through this on the Buck Buchanan. William and Mary had a bye week last week, Montana Weaver state um, played last week, but man, John Pius is still on a, on a tear right now, right now, John Pius is on track to have better stats than even Isaiah Land did last year, especially in terms of tackles for loss. 40 total tackles, 14.5 for loss, 9.5 sacks and three pass breakups. Still leads the country in sacks and tackles for loss, and, and those two big games stand out on his resume. And on top of that, too, just to throw this out there, I know um, – and Paris makes a good, a good point. On the last slide, Lindsey Scott and Tim DeMart are both seniors. Shador is a sophomore – John Pius is also a sophomore. This 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 kid John Pius is a sophomore right now putting up these stats. So he still has two years left potentially at William and Mary. Patrick O'Connell falls in this in really a one B category. He's having He's having a hell of a season as well. 50 total tackles, 11 for loss, seven and a half sacks, forced fumble, two INTs. He finished third in voting last year. And then Maxwell Anderson then still leads to FCS and in interceptions with five, has five pass breakups, only allowed one touchdown on the season and a 35 passer rating allowed. Right now, he's been the best corner in the country by far on the f- in terms of on the field performance. So I'm going to just glide through that because nothing changed the introduction. This is Jerry Rice award watch list 1.0. The first watch list of the season for me. If I had to vote today, these three guys would be the top three on my ballot. I'm giving it right now. And to Giovanni McCoy from Idaho at the quarterback spot, only because he has the biggest win out of anybody on this list. He two big touchdowns last week against Montana in a giant upset. And as a true fresh as a red shirt freshman, Giovanni McCoy is completing almost 74% of his passes, man. Thirteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, only three picks as, as, a, as a redshirt freshman. McCoy is doing his thing, and that's the big reason why the Vandals are making a run at the top ten. Rex Connors for UC Davis, DB slash linebacker. He kind of he plays a lot in the box as well. Forty-five total tackles, three for loss, three picks, four pass breakups, and he's top ten in the FCS in interceptions per game, and still ranks top forty in the country in terms of total tackles. Rex Connors is a true freshman, is having a hell of a year, and he deserves a shout out here as my defensive honoree. And then Reese, uh, I believe it's Poffenbarger. I know it's a crazy last name. You albany quarterback, thrown for sixteen hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns, one rushing. And this is a crazy stat. This kid's a true freshman. Reese is a true freshman and has yet to throw an interception this season. And UAlbany puts the ball in the air a whole hell of a lot. For him not to have an interception is very impressive. The problem is UAlbany has not been winning games. Giovanni McCoy has been leading Idaho to victory, and that's why I give the edge to Giovanni McCoy over Reese, um, over Reese right now. Man, top 15, top 16 in the FCS in passing yards and passing touchdowns. So this would be my ballot right now for the Jerry Rice Award. If I had to vote today, Giovanni McCoy would take home the Jerry Rice Award if I had to say in that. But man, just some notable games to briefly go over. Um, you know, these are games I'm not going to break down super in depth because we have a lot of other big games that I know you guys would much rather be talking about right now. But I got I got to give a shout out to Southeastern Louisiana. Versus Jacksonville State, this is a this is a must-win game for SLU. They're sitting at three and three. They have that big win over Incarnate Word. If they're gonna if they're gonna make a run to the playoffs, it has to start this weekend with a big road win. Now, Jacksonville State's not eligible for a conference championship, not eligible for the playoffs. They're just cruising though. Six and one, man, six and one this season. Zion Webb's been pretty solid, but it's been it's been the rushing attack for Jacksonville State that has just been killing teams. They are running the ball down people's throats and no one has really been able to hang on and, and, and hold with them at the FCS level. Really, I, I think Jacksonville State has the advantage here. they one losses to Tulsa. Eli Sawyer and, and Cephas Johnson have done their thing for SLU, but I really do think SLU is missing Cole Kelly, especially at at, at that quarterback spot. They've been a run first team. Washington's done a good job of that. I think it has eight rushing touchdowns this year for for the Lions. Give me Jacksonville State in a big win this weekend, but SLU has to look competitive at least if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. Right now, they're on the bubble for me in in terms of if they get into the playoffs based on their based on their resume for the committee. Rhode Island, Monmouth, a huge CAA matchup as well. The, Rhode Island coming off a big upset win last week, but Monmouth man, has been quietly putting together a, I would say, a solid season in the CAA. Their first, their first year in the CAA, led by Jaden Sheridan, who I mentioned earlier as a probably my fourth place vote for the Walter Payton. 1,000 yards rushing already, seven rushing touchdowns. Tony Musket, a preseason All-American, has had a solid year, 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns. He has to get rid of the turnover bug, though. And, and for Rhode Island, Kas- uh, Kasim Hill has done an excellent job at quarterback. He's been a major, major, I would say, surprise for that offense. The defense for Rhode Island is key. If you shut down Mom's rushing attack, you pretty much keep their offense off balance, and they really get – lost at the point of attack. So if you could slow down Monmouth, Monmouth's rushing attack, you have a great chance to win this game. Marquise Shields for Rhode Island is another name to watch. In this one, though, I think Mammoth pulls the upset. I might be crazy. I might be putting too much stock. I think is going to be able to run the football very well. Tony is going to have a big day against the secondary of Rhode Island where they gave up a lot of yardage to Delaware's Nolan Henderson. Give me Monmouth in the CAA upset over Rhode Island this weekend at home. The the one the always got to have an Ivy League game on here. Harvard Princeton. This is tomorrow night, six p.m. kickoff. ESPNU. Princeton's coming in undefeated. Harvard sitting at four and one. Their sole loss is to Holy Cross. And if you guys like, I don't know how y'all feel. I'm I'm a, I'm a guy who likes watching run games and defenses and defensive battles. I know a lot of people love the passing, high scoring. This is a run first game. So if you're not a fan of running the football and strong offense and defensive lines. Definitely don't tune into this one. Butler is probably an honorable mention right now for the Freshman of the Year Award. Eight rushing touchdowns as a true freshman for Princeton, while Aiden Borgett has had a huge year, 600-plus yards, seven touchdowns. And Dean has actually had a very, very productive year for for the Crimson. 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, only two picks. And, of course, Kim Wimberly, who who has made big play after big play, for, for harvard could be the difference I, I i see wayne he's go he's rolling with princeton i'm rolling with harvard this weekend i think harvard was my preseason pick for the ivy league i still think they're that good they competed well with holy cross early give me harvard at home the to, uh, friday night 6 p.m central g- g- give me harvard in the upset over undefeated princeton and then uh, usually, I'll, I would have Hampton in the HBCU preview, but this is a big out of conference game, and there were a lot of other HBCU games I wanted to put on that slide. So I've moved Hampton versus Richmond here. And, you know, I, I commented on BJ Jones's post the other day. I really think right now, I know I had them, I believe, not eight or nine in my poll with Scotty last week on the round table. After their win over Albany last week, I think Hampton right now as an argument for the fifth spot in any HBCU ranking that you should see I would I would put them fifth you know you, you would have Jackson State at 1 Central at 2 probably Southern and FAMU at 3 or 4 you can order those how you like and then I would put Hampton at I would I would put Hampton at 5 and I I understand people are going to say Alcorn State but I <laughs> right now Hampton Hampton's been rolling man over in the CA it, oh, like just in terms of their schedule they got two miac wins they got a big win over Albany in overtime last week their two losses were a game against Maine that they probably should have won and then a loss to Delaware which I'm not faulting anybody for I think Delaware beats most teams um all, you know in the country I got to give it to Hampton man I really do I, they've done a hell of a job. I didn't think they were going to win many games this year. I mean, there was conversations at, at, at um, around Media Day, if you remember, in, in one of the HBCU spaces. I think it was B.J. Jones, where they were joking that Hampton might not win a game this year. And they're sitting at 4-2, undefeated against the MEAC, and with, and with a CAA win in their first year, and I and I have to give this kid credit because I was on him really, really hard early in the season, and that's their quarterback, May. Last week he had four touchdowns, over 200 yards passing, completed over 65% of his passes. If he can just limit the turnovers and, and just find a little bit of comfort in the pocket, Hampton could be extremely dangerous. We already know what Jadakis Bonds is. 548 yards receiving eight receiving touchdowns. That's, that's like 80% of the touchdowns that Hampton has this year through the air. I'm going with Richmond in a close one. What, Reese Udinski is probably too much at the quarterback spot. 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns for him. But if... If Hampton's secondary can force a turnover here or there, do not be surprised if Hampton gives Richmond a hell of a run for their money. But right now, I still think Hampton's probably a year away from competing with the top of the CAA. But I expect Hampton to compete really well this weekend against Richmond. And our our HBCU preview, and listen, I know what game y'all don't see on here. Because it's an out-of-conference game, I I put it elsewhere. So do not worry. We are still going to talk Jackson State Campbell at the end of the show. Do not worry. This is not on this slide, but I, w- <laughs> I know people would have panicked. But my really one of my games of the week: North Carolina Central versus South Carolina State. Everyone coming into the season talked about how this game was pr- was was most likely going to settle who wins the MEAC. South Carolina State sitting at two and four. Coming off coming off a loss to Famu. Yes, they played Lynchburg last week, but let's be honest, I'm not putting a lot of stock into what happened on the field. Central's coming off a huge win o- over Morgan State. I'm gonna man, this is this is gonna be tough to say because I have so much respect for Buddy Pugh and, and and that coaching staff. I think I think Central wins this one fairly convincingly. When I look at the offensive line led by Corey Bullock, which you see pictured here, when I look at Dave, uh, Davis Richard um, at, at the quarterback spot, I just, if it gets into a which quarterback has to make more plays to win the game, there's no way South Carolina State has a chance in this one. Davis Richard is just on a different level. And South, South Carolina State's inability to run the football scares me because. If central can just load the box and they trust Cottrington and some of those DBs one on one in the back end, I don't know how South Carolina State scores. The problem with being one dimensional is it makes it so easy on the defense to pick and choose where you get your spots at, and then your only real offensive threat right now is Shaq Davis. What, you know, I don't know. I, I got to get y'all's opinion. I, Comment below, like, what percent chance do y'all real do? Do you really give South Carolina State this weekend, even at home? Because right now, I have not seen a way that they're they're going to beat Central. I think Central wins this one by double digits. I would say ten to fourteen this weekend, and, and that's that. That's just being that's just being generous, and that's because it's at home for South Carolina State. I just haven't seen anything, and maybe maybe a quarterback change would do would do. But from what I've seen against FAMU, from what I saw against A and T. I think I think Central runs away with this one, man. Give me Central this weekend by ten over South Carolina State. Let's see, said fifteen percent. Adrian was zero, fifteen percent, zero percent, ten percent, ten percent, ten percent. So not 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 very confident is what I'm taking. But yeah, give me Central. This is a big one. Tennessee State versus versus Eastern Illinois, and I know a lot of you guys. Uh, a lot of you guys wrote Tennessee State off. And, I mean, listen, I was I was very critical of that loss to Lane, but now that Draylon Ellis has come back, now that some of those defensive starters have have returned from injury, Tennessee State has been rolling. Uh, in In terms of in terms of their game, they've won back to back. They've had back to back double digit victories. They had a forty one seventeen win over Bethune, and then last week against uh, Tennessee Tech had a thirty to fourteen win to open up their conference schedule. Tennessee State, sitting at two and four, has a chance to go and win the OVC still. And I I, I don't I hate to say this. I, there's never a good loss, quote unquote, good loss. But I really do think that loss to Lane woke some people up. I just I went back and watched the film from that Tennessee Tech game. They they look like a more it looked like the team that they put out there against Jackson that that were ready to that that competed for three and a half quarters. That's what they look like. Draylon Ellis looks completely healthy, had a big week last week. Devon Starling's doing his thing. Both these teams sit at two and four. I don't love O'Brien at quarterback for Eastern Illinois. They have to stop the run game, though. Pierre and that running back group for Eastern Illinois has some ability to go to to get loose. And so that front seven for Tennessee State has to play strong. Last week, Eastern Illinois had a nice chance to knock off Lindenwood. They ended up losing in overtime. Give me Tennessee State in this one. They're at home. They're expecting a pretty solid crowd. The way Draylon Ellis and this offense is going, I think Tennessee State can pull this one out. I'm I'm taking the Tigers over the lines this weekend. Now, Texas Southern, Alcorn State. I think Scotty is going to be at this one. I believe it's Alcorn State's homecoming game too. I think the whole state of Mississippi, damn near, had their homecoming this weekend. But this is a must-win for Alcorn State. After losing, after losing to Southern, if they lose this game, they are going to be in in hot water. Hot water. <laughs> if they lose this game, they're sitting at three and three. They would drop to three and four and have two division losses. So this is this is a must-win for Alcorn State. And same for Texas Southern. If Texas Texas Southern wants to have any shot at making the SWAC championship this year, they're gonna need better play out of Andrew Body this weekend and they're gonna need him to be huge. And also Howard at the running back spot for Texas Southern has been big. Everyone came into the season focused on Andrew body that running back room has been extremely consistent and Morton has emerged as a legit receiving threat for them I think he has 400 plus yards receiving for Texas Southern it's just every time I try to buy stock into Texas Southern they just they give it away at the end man after the Southern game everyone was riding high Two straight losses, including a loss to Alabama's um Alabama State. They didn't look overly impressive against UAPB last weekend. They won 2417 last week on the road. Alcorn State had chances to win last week at Southern. Um it went with a, a crazy crowd, man. That, that environment in Southern was amazing. I'm going with Alcorn State here. I just I, I can't trust the rushing the, the the rush defense for Texas Southern. I think Jarvion Howard has a big game. And I just think all, I think Alcorn has too much talent. They're going to bring too much pressure. They're going to try to force Andrew Body off his spot and not let him get loose with his legs. Uh, give me Alcorn, and I, I got Alcorn by 10 this weekend over Texas Southern, and I think they get back on track, and they, they're going to try to make a run for, for the Swack West. Let's see. He's, Eddie, Eddie gave those boys uh, that school day's mission. <laughs> he coach to lose his job. Oh, man. That's that's hilarious, Mister Campbell. And then finally, Delaware State versus Howard. I've seen Delaware State get a lot of media attention recently. I think a lot of people had had them in that fifth place slot for their HBCU rankings. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue it because I'm still skeptical. They got two wins over two D two schools. They beat a Norfolk State team that I still don't I, I still don't believe is very good. But I don't think Howard's very good either. So give me Delaware State again, man. I think I know coming into the season, he this kid didn't get a lot of attention, but CJ Henry has been playing exceptional football. Last week against Norfolk, he was 14 for 19, 200 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. And Delaware State coming out of this weekend could be sitting at five and two, two and oh. In conference, and if South Carolina State drops a game this this weekend, you're looking at Delaware State having a real chance to finish second in the MIAC this year. And I, I jumped right off the bandwagon. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I jumped straight off the bandwagon when Asias Guthrie transferred. I thought things were going to. I, I thought things were going to come off the rails for them. And uh, give me Delaware state in the close when they are playing at Howard. I just, I just can't, I can't believe in Howard anymore. They're sitting at one and five. Their sole win is over Morehouse. They've lost games to Yale and Harvard these past two weeks. They lost a three point game to Hampton. Give me Delaware state with the momentum, with the quarterback playing lights out and with a run game behind Gillis that has done some really, really special things. Give me Delaware state. And I guess I won't be an upset. So just give me Delaware state. And Sonic Boom, I don't think the MiAC has lived up to the preseason hype that it had. I, I really don't. Uh, Central has, and, and, and we and we know Central is what they are, and they're probably going to get to the Celebration Bowl and have a great shot at winning the MEAC. But everyone else, I feel like, except for Delaware State, Sonic Boom has not lived up to the hype. I think Norfolk felt really short of expectations. South Carolina State, damn sure, has fell short of expectations. Howard... I don't know if they had many expectations, but that they they have not looked good in, in the slide. So I just think the Miac right now just hasn't outplayed their preseason predictions right now. And, that, and that's, the, that's the main issue uh, for the conference. But some of the top FCS versus FCS games, um South Dakota State versus North Dakota. This is a big game. This is a ranked matchup. North Dakota has has played, I believe, a top 10 strength to schedule right now, one of the few teams in the top 25 that has done that. But South Dakota State, riding high, the ranked number one in the country for the first time in program history. Mark Gronikowski, Isaiah Davis, the Yankee twins on offense are rolling. That defense played light out in the second half against the Bison. I think South Dakota State keeps it rolling. I think this is their probably – their one trap game left on their schedule, possibly UNI, and, and and I believe it's the second week of November that's on their schedule. I just think South Dakota State has all the momentum in the world. I said before the season that if they were going to win a national title in, in in the near future, this this is the team that is that's going to get it done. They proved that they that they they prove they can get past North Dakota State still in the regular season. I think they cruise through the regular season. Now we need to see if the Jackrabbits are real when it comes to playoff time in that late November, early December range, can they get it done? They've been so close multiple times. Is this the year for the Jacks? I think it is. Give me South Dakota State over North Dakota by double digits, man. Uh, I think the Jacks, I, I like what they're bringing. And then, South, uh, Sacramento State versus Montana. Montana coming off the Idaho loss last week. And Sac State ranked number two in the country right now, man. I, I think it was their highest ranking in program history as well. So we've had a lot of firsts in, in history made this past week. It's, this is as simple as it can be. As simple as it can be, man. Can Montana slow down Sacramento State's rushing game? Between Asher O'Hara, between uh Scabibo at the, at the running back spot for them between Marshall Martin at tight end can can they slow down can they slow down the offense especially the rush game if Sac State rushes for 150 200 yards Montana has no shot and then also they need Lucas Johnson to play better Lucas Johnson forced the balls into some spots. Uh had some big turnovers. They're going to they're going to have to protect the football this weekend against Sacramento State, especially on the road. This is one of the games on ESPN two. Um, 10 p.m. Central Time, Sac State, Montana on ESPN 2. Man, make sure to tune in to support some FCS football. My the one question I have is Montana had all these expectations. They're number three in the country. They were predicted to potentially be a seed and, 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 and win the big sky again. They lost to an Idaho team that no one really expected them to lose outside of the state of Idaho. Can they bounce back when they have one of the toughest strength of schedules moving forward? Where they got to play Montana State still, and, and and they they got some tough games. Right now, I don't trust Montana State's front seven outside of Patrick O'Connell. Give me Sac State in a close, low-scoring game. I don't expect either team to hit thirty in this one. Give me Sac State in a in a, in a just a drag, dirty type game. Give me Sac State. And then New Hampshire, Elon, another ranked matchup. Do you, I don't know, I don't know if, I, if I'm the only one, but I, just, I don't believe in New Hampshire right now. After what I saw North Carolina, North Carolina Central do to them, I just, I just don't know if, if New Hampshire is really a top 25 team. I know they broke into the top 25. I just don't know how you rank New Hampshire, but don't rank Campbell or North Carolina Central. And, and that really bothers me because clearly, like the head-to-heads, it aren't mattering to some voters, and it, and that's a whole another rant for another day. But Matthew McKay's the key here. Elon goes as Matthew McKay goes. He had a bad week last week, and 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 they took a L. And the offense was inconsistent Jalen Hampton wasn't doing his thing on in on the ground Daltry and that wide receiving unit was all for Elon. This is a must win they got Delaware they got Delaware next week and if you lose two if you lose again in the CAA you find a way to lose three in a row in conference you're out of the conference championship race and Elon's looking at potentially being on the bubble for the playoffs New Hampshire. Brosmer's done solid, the solid at quarterback. But if you could stop lobbing the rushing game, they are, that they're extremely vulnerable. You if they can't get the rushing game going, one dimensional does not work for New Hampshire. I do think Elon bounces back this week. I, I put a lot of faith in McKay, and Hampton, and that Elon defense. Give me Elon in a close one over over New Hampshire this weekend. And then this is the game I'll be at. I can't give a prediction. I'll give a quick breakdown: Mercer versus Chattanooga. Um Man, I'm excited for this one. This is a 10 versus 11 matchup. Fred Payton versus Peyton Hutchinson. And also, it's it's this Mercer offense versus this Chattanooga defense. This Chattanooga defense is suffocating. They got so much talent from Devontae Maxwell to Todd Bo- uh, Bocek to, to that Jay Pearson to some, some guys in the secondary, Fred Payton, Austin Douglas, Todd James. The list goes on and on in terms of their offensive weapons. It's going to come down. Can Chattanooga keep this game under 30? I said I said on frankly speaking sports on Monday if Mercer can get to 30 they win this game. I don't trust Chattanooga's offense to um to to be able to to be able to put up that many points especially against the Mercer defense that is great at, for, at forcing turnovers. And on top of that Preston Hutchinson has had a hard time taking taking care of the football and I can't give a prediction, but that's going to be the key to the game. Mercer Chattanooga this weekend, twelve thirty p.m. Central kickoff, and I will be in Chattanooga. Uh, so the website I use, man, um, I used the FCS Stats Perform poll. Uh, the poll that had them ranked six was the coaches poll. the The media poll had them ranked ninth. And I, just my personal thing, I used the media poll at every level of football. FBS, FCS, it doesn't matter. I always just go with the coach uh, with the media poll over the coaches poll. I didn't know who half these teams were. Until I started watching Blue. Now I'm invested in FCS football. Chase my whole football weekend. I love it, man. That's why we do it. Trying to get more eyes. <laughs> trying to get more eyes on FCS football. I agree, Lawrence. Whoever wins this game, I think gets a seed. I do think Lawrence. They have a they have they have a chance to even be the seven seed, depending on how that big sky race falls out. Because if one of the teams kind of falls off, or even it also could depend, Lawrence. I don't know if you saw Sam Herder's bracketology. He had a UIW in eight. If UIW falls off, too, they have, they have a chance to move up. And also, you, if Holy Cross loses, they lose all chance of a seed. If Holy Cross wins out, they steal one of those seeds. So Mercer Chattanooga, I agree, will get a seed. I do think it could be higher than 8, though, just, um, just depending on what happens. Uh, what time does FCS odds? So usually, FCS odds are released late Friday night or early Saturday morning. That's usually when the official odds are released uh, for FCS games. They make sure that they got all their FBS bases covered, and then, um, uh, hang on, man. I'll, I'll post the link for you right now, man. Hang on, let me. Uh, all I, right. All right, man. Uh, this is the link I just posted in there for. You. This is where you can find. Um, the FCS stats perform poll, which is the official media poll at the FCS. So let me get to my game of the week. Listen, do not panic. It's next slide. That's the fan vote game of the week. I already know what it is. We're going to get there, but real quick, Weber state, Montana state, a top five matchup in college football, three versus uh, three versus five. And this game to me is probably going to be one of the better games of the weekend, just in terms of overall matchups. You get Montana State in that rushing attack against a Weber defense that I think could be one of the more talented defenses in the country. And you get the Tommy Malott versus Sean Chambers drama. And I know there's some Montana State fans in the chat that, that we went back and forth last week. I still think if Sean Chambers was a starter in this game, I absolutely. Go ahead and give montana and go ahead and give Montana State the win, but the fact that Malat might go out there, I think Barron Bankston McPherson on that offensive side of the football for Weber state can can score enough to put some pressure on montana state 's defense. They have to not turn the football over because Maxwell Anderson and that Weber State defense are legit, and I do think Weber State is a better overall team right now than Montana State. Give me Weber State in the upset over Montana State. And I, I I think Weber State has a better overall team. I trust their balance a bit more, and I think they're going to load the box, and they're going to try to make Montana State throw the football. And I, I do trust them to force some turnovers in this game. I think they go into Bozeman and get and get a big win. So give me Weber State in the upset. And, man, we are here. I know this is what, like, 98% of the people in here are going to be looking forward to. Uh, Jackson State versus Campbell. And, man, let me – hang on. We got a, a course right right when we get to check, State. We got callers. We got Mr. Ford here. What's good, Mr. Ford? You're live.
1: Hey, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, got you loud and clear, man.
1: Okay, listen. Uh, them people you talking about right there, that uh, Montana I mistake, mean, those are good people. Now, is Bobby Mark still up there at uh, Montana? Where is he now?
0: Um, uh, I don't know if Bobby Marks is still there. I know they hired their head coach a guy from. Um, I think from. I think it was North Dakota State or something. He has some connections with him, but I don't, Okay, because Bobby Bobby
1: was was uh, in that playoff every year. He left uh, Montana and went to UNLV. That didn't work out. Um, uh, and I thought he went back to Montana. I, I'm not sure, but th- those are two when you talk about that FCS, that Montana and Montana State, they that's that's too good program. Now the thing I want you to I I haven't heard you talk about. It. What about um this school here in that in the metro area called Kennesaw State? They leaving FCS getting ready to go FBS to conference USA. What what you think about that?
0: Uh I'm not surprised. I think they've been very vocal about their plans because they know what market they're in. We know that the Atlanta market is probably one of the more sought-a- sought-after markets in the country. Yeah. And once they start putting money into the program, seeing the success on the field at the FCS level, it was only a matter of time. Now I do think they're still going to have to try to tap into the fan involvement because their attendance is not very good. The There's just a lot of stuff to do around Atlanta that they – they haven't tapped into the Atlanta market like some other programs probably could have, and so that's my one worry: is what is the fan support going to be like, and also what is the recruiting for them going to be like? Because you're competing with a lot of people for a lot of recruits at that in that area in the in Georgia.
1: But now here's here's the thing, and let me say this to this person: I ain't talking about the goat. W- what you talking about the JSU prediction blue? It ain't going to be no prediction. Jackson State should win this game big. Like he's telling you about um, them teams win. Jackson State should beat Campbell by at least 10 points. So you just hold off for a minute and be patient. But let me say this in blue. I think them people in Conference USA going to have a problem with that triple option offense. Because uh, he, to me, Bohan, uh, the coach over there at that um, at the school, uh, Kennesaw, his last name is Bo Hammond. His dad was a high school legend here in a place called Griffin, George. Listen, they're going to have problems with that offense. You can't prepare for that offense one week. I coach now. When you start running that, uh, what they we used to call it, the ham bone. When you run that ham bone and you run it, right, oh, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm sorry to, uh, to go, but I'm just telling you, you ain't got to worry about that. If Jackson State don't win this game by 10 points, I'm going to be seriously disappointed because Jackson State should win this game. But let me go on with this right now. Uh, I think now you know uh, – this school over here, uh, Kennesaw State, got 39,000 students. You know that, right? You know they got 39,000. Yeah, they, right.
0: they have a huge, huge – like, I think they have more students than Auburn did when I was there.
1: Right, right. And, and see, that's another thing I want to holler at you about. See, now y'all going to fight your coach. I'm hoping that some of them boys that's going to have to leave Auburn will come to the sweat. I need fam you to get some of them boys. I need Southern to get some of them boys because y'all got some quality offensive linemen and defensive linemen, but you get a new coach, some of them kids going to have to leave. Because them people, when, when the new coaches come, they want their own people.
0: Look, okay? I'll so, tell you, you're right on the D-line. We got some dogs on the D-line. Y'all do. Our offensive line is atrocious. Jackson State, FAMU, all listen, Valley doesn't want some of the offensive linemen we have at Auburn. Just between us, I've seen it. I've heard the practice reports. The offensive linemen got to go like D2. they are They're atrocious.
1: Right. Now, listen, I, now, now, getting back to this this game of the week thing about Jackson State, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, the the coordinators, Brett Bartolome, and, of course, you know the, the great one, Dennis Thurman, they're going to show they behind in this game. Okay, I'm looking for Bartolome to put together a game plan where Jackson really should blow uh, Campbell out. If they don't blow him out, I'm going to be highly disappointed. I'm not worried about Dennis Thurman. Dennis Thurman is the truth. Now, let me just tell you some upcoming stuff. And I know some people are going to get mad with me when I say this, but let me tell you something. The big game is really not the homecoming game. The big game is when them Jaguars come into uh, Jackson. When something comes into Jackson, that's the big game. Now, let me just say this to y'all. The other thing that's getting ready to happen, boy, let me tell you something. When them Jaguars come to Bragg Stadium, they're going to beat the dog shit out of FAMU. You hear me? See, FAM is, is coasting along. and and, and barely making it, but let me tell you something. When them Jaguars come to Bragg Stadium, they're going to blow on some ass. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you all See, let me say this again. The only issue at Southern University is that that man, Henry Miller, is not a championship coach as a defense coordinator. Now, they got a top defense, a lot of depth, but he is not a mastermind. He's not a mastermind, and that's what's gonna hold Southern back. But let me just tell you something, Southern. I, I, I'm not picking Southern to beat uh, Jackson, but I think they're gonna give Jackson hell. And the other thing I think is, Jackson and Southern are going to play twice this year. No, I, uh, Michael Jones. No, I didn't play for Coach Rob. I was his son's uh, uh, student assistant. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't play for him anything, but I was close to him. I could tell you a lot of things. But, no, I didn't play for him. But uh, I'm a graduate of Grambling. I got my master's there, and I was his son. His son was named Eddie Jr. I was his uh, student assistant. But let me just say this. Southern is going to blow – they're going to give Jackson hell, but I don't think they're going to win it. And I still say this game this weekend is not the big game. The big game is when them Jaguars come to Jackson, Mississippi. But the other thing I want you all to remember – FAMU got to entertain them Jaguars, and they're going to get their ass tore up. But the other big game, but and, and, and here's a question mark again. When FAMU goes into Montgomery, it's that Harry Williams person again. If they had a true offensive coordinator at, at uh, Alabama State, listen, Alabama State would get them. Now, here's the other thing. The other big game is when them Alabama schools meet up in Birmingham. Okay, Alabama State should win the game, but because Alabama A&M's coach is uh, uh, Cornell Maynard, Maynard's probably going to take it because I'm, 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 I'm still not – I like a lot of things about Alabama State, but I got some problems with that offense. What do you think about that, Blue? Um, I don't a lot now.
0: I think, I think Southern's problem is – it. I think it's consistency with the quarterback spot too. Because I never know what I'm going to get out of McRae. If I knew I was going to get his best every week, I'm with you. But the problem is, is if he catches a turnover bug or starts being inaccurate, kind of like he was against Texas Southern, it's going to be really, right. really hard for Southern to win those games. But with their D line getting healthy, with that front seven, I, I, I like them moving forward. I don't think that, like, I, like you said, I don't see them beating Jackson. If you're not beating no. Jackson without a a solid quarterback with some experience too, but we'll see. Because Famu's looked very vulnerable moving, you know, these past few weeks they've been racking up wins, but they haven't looked amazing. Now I got to ask no, they you: haven't
1: looked impressive? No. Uh,
0: and I, I want gotta... to
1: correct. Blue, I want to correct something I said on your show the other night. You and I were talking about Ryan Stachek, and I said that Ryan Starchek was at Tennessee Tech. That's incorrect. Ryan Starchek is at Austin P. He's the offensive line and offensive coordinator at Austin Peace. I want to correct that. Uh, But uh, that was a big loss for the conference. I I really like Stachek. I've been watching Stachek since he was with Jay Hobson down at Alcorn. And uh, I really liked him, and I was really hurt when he left the conference. But uh, they have not replaced Stachek at Alcorn, and they have not replaced him at Florida A&M. Well,
0: hang on. There we go. I do have to ask you, so – I know you don't think Campbell's going to compete very well with Jackson State. I'm about to get into that. How do you think they match up with AT next week, though? Because if you if you remember, they got Jackson State's homecoming next week, and then they got AT at their homecoming next week on the road.
1: Let me tell you something. And and I will say said this over and over, and I know a lot of people get mad with me. AT's program is fallen. They're going to blow AT out. You were talking earlier about um Richmond and Hampton. Hampton's not in the league with Richmond. They, they can't stick with Richmond. I'm sorry. Now, if they had that boy, Jet Duffy, that they had last year, maybe it could be close. But Hampton is out of their league. Hampton's out of their league. This this move to put that, that you had, first you, you take anti out of the MEAC and you put him in the Big South, and then the next year you put him in the CAA, it has destroyed their program. Do you know, and, and I've said this over and over, and and I know people get tired of me saying this, before Deion Sanders landed in Jackson, Mississippi, the top HBCU program, athletic program, was North Carolina AT. Ever since they decided to leave the MEAC, their program has just imploded. Do you know that none of the kids now want to go to A&T? At one time, AT was picking kids who had pro potential. Nobody wants to go to A&T anymore. So let me just say this. I know that the anti-faithful, they want Cardinal Maynard to leave uh, Alabama and come to Greensboro. I hope he doesn't fall for that because they in a mess up there in Greensboro. They they, they in a big mess up there. Uh, I'm talking about the football ain't where it should be. The basketball is not where it should be, men or women. The baseball is not where it should be. And then they lost. You know, they had a top. Uh, coaching track and field up that and he's left, packed his bags. He's at the University of Tennessee. Okay, so listen, they, they've just fallen apart up there in, um, in Greensboro, and it's the fault of the AD and it's the fault of the president because he failed for that foolishness. Did you have any more questions for me, blue?
0: Oh, no, that was it, Mr. Ford. Appreciate you calling in. Okay, y'all have a good night. Him, all right, we got one more caller here that's been waiting on here.
2: One eight
0: three seven. You're live. Hello. What's up, man? You're live.
3: Well, what was going on? This Beyonce from Louisiana. And um, my opinion on the Jackson State vs. Campbell game. I think it's gonna be a good game. I uh, I got Campbell twenty four, jsu twenty one. No, it could go either way. But the biggest factor in this game is gonna be Shadir you know, they can't turn the ball over If Jackson State turn the ball over, and they beat themselves, and Campbell is going to win the game. But Jackson State is favored to win this game because they do got the better team on both sides of the ball with better players. But, you know, Jackson State has beat themselves a whole lot with turnovers penalties. And when you're playing a team like Campbell, you can't do that because they're a real disciplined football and team. Yeah.
0: Hey man, I, I appreciate you calling in to give your prediction, man. I listen. I will give you a shout out if, if you get that right because that's that's a big prediction, man. I think you're the first person to predict Campbell to win so far. So I'm a, I'm gonna write your number down and write your prediction, and I'm definitely giving you a shout out after the game if you were right on that.
4: I right, appreciate it.
0: Yep. Later, man. Got our first Campbell prediction here five nine five zero you're live hey Bluey, Steve how you doing man what's good man good 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 just talking about this
5: homecoming at Jackson State I'm a rattler but everybody's probably known the chat so I might as well talk about it I think I got a Jackson state opening them like 21 like 17 I know you'll see your predictions later on but I think they have just more debt at wide receiver running back. They could, you know, they they just take over the third and fourth quarter like they've been doing after those halftime adjustments by Dion. He's one of the best second half coaches in the country. What do you think about that, Blue?
0: Um, listen, that's uh, that's been one of my biggest criticisms of coaches across the country. That's what separates the elite teams from the good teams. Because good teams, everyone should have the first half scripted to a point where you play well, but the great coaches, the elite coaches, and the coaching staffs and teams have coaches behind the scenes that can make adjustments on the fly. And that's half the battle, man, because if you can't adjust and the team across from you can, regardless if you have more talent, you're going to get out coached in the second half and you're going to give games away and you're going to lose some games that you should have won. And there's a lot of teams, especially at the FBS level, that has the talent to... Um, win a lot of games, but don't because they don't make adjustments. AKA my alma mater, Auburn. Yeah,
5: yes, sir, yes, sir. I definitely understand, man. I definitely understand. Uh, and also let me ask you a question. Chris Klein has been hot. Um, for Kansas State, they beat Oklahoma and some other schools. Do you think he's taking another job, or do you think he's stays in Manhattan?
0: I think he stays in Manhattan for now. I don't see. I don't see a fit um, for him anywhere else right now. I mean, he's been building up his program. He's been his job security is perfectly fine because Kansas State doesn't have a ton of expectations. I think it would have to be the perfect opportunity for Kleiman to get up out of K State. Okay, okay, and he's really uh,
5: underpaid. I know since he came from the FCS, I think. I'm on
0: his contract, but he's really severely underpaid. He's so if listen, I went to K State for grad school for four years. If you study the history of that program, they were ass forever. I mean, they were, I think, historically the worst program in college football up until Snyder got there. So, man, he's done a hell of a job, though. Yes, sir. All right, I'm, Um, I'm going to let you take some other calls, man. Take care, man. Good night. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right, we got we got people calling in now. Listen, stay on the call line. I'm going to get to you. We got to talk about this game. I thought it was just going to be one caller, then people started calling in. So, listen, if you're on the call line, chill there. Call in after the preview, too. We got to talk about this Jackson State-Campbell game. Um, this is the fan vote game of the week. We I, I knew what it was when I put up the poll. Uh, I'm gonna do this every week. I'm gonna let y'all vote on the fan vote game of the week because I know you guys want to hear certain games. But Jackson State Campbell is finally here. Jackson State's homecoming, uh, and you know it, it was really cool that I got you know I got to be at Coach Mentor's press conference. If you want to hear what he's got to say, you can check that on the channel too. I also got a uh, Proms press conference, and both coaches are super confident coming in here, man. I, I'll tell you this, uh, Mentor. Didn't hold back any words. He was like, "Listen, man, we've been in we've been in intimidating environments before." And he said that he feels like his team's ready. And when you look at the keys to the game on each side, it's 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 obvious. Jackson State, if you're if you're Jackson State, the number one thing you got to do your offensive line has to has to come to play. Uh, Cam- Campbell's main thing is, man, if they can get to the quarterback, it opens up a lot of things on the back end of their defense. And when you got Aaron Maddox, Miles Rouser, and some of those guys, you You've got it, you gotta play sound fundamental football. And Brevin Allen, you're going to have to chip on double like if you neutralize Brevin Allen, you have a strong chance to win. They do have Josh Johnson on the other side, number one. He's the other big time uh defensive lineman. Also, you have a freshman, a three-star, and and Paul Hudson, the third, who plays defensive tackle, number 95, who who I think he's a better run defender than he is pass rusher. Um and the, the key is neutralizing Brevin Allen. Last week when you watched that Robert Morris game, three sacks in the first half a pick, and the games that Campbell's, Campbell is competitive in is because that, that front four can wreak havoc. And so as long as those tackle spots are solid, Jackson State's going to have a really good, great shot at moving the football. We know what Shador is. As long as he takes care of the football, Jackson State should be able to put up some points on Campbell's defense. And that's the number one thing. I, I want to say it again. Chador has to take care of the football last week. He has some I'll call them uncharacteristic uh, turnovers last week, though. There were a few that just got away from I don't know if it was just he was having a just kind of an off game. There was a few passes that kind of that just seemed to be very different than than what he's used to. And And on the defensive side of the football, we know what Campbell's MO is. They're going to run the football. And the question becomes: There's been a little. There's been some rumors. Listen, I I, I told the person who kind of let me know that I talked to off the record that I wouldn't drop any names. There are some question marks about the health of of some big time pieces to Campbell's offensive line. I don't know if some as if they're going to be missing a piece or two this upcoming weekend. That's all I can say on that. I I, I, I trust my sources, and so I t- I told them I would I would just leave it at that. If they're missing pieces on the offensive line, things get extremely difficult moving forward and you're going to have to rotate in running backs i don't think brian bar can do it all by himself you're going to have to rotate you're going to have to get fresh bodies in and the other thing is are you going to be able to do the tempo that um are you are you going to be able to put together a game with the tempo that you use to get central on some of these other teams because of the depth that um Depth that Jackson State uses in the front seven. I think this is a huge game. If you're looking for a player that this is a money making game for him, I, I do think I do think at the defensive tackle spot, Devonte Davis and potentially even even Katron Evans. This is a, this is a big game for them. the 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 entire offensive line is huge. If they're able to neutralize them, take up space, require two three guys to to double triple them, and not allow the guards get to the linebackers, then then things are going to get horrible. You are going to have to get a hand on Aubrey Miller running the football. If Aubrey Miller can come untouched, I, I, I don't know. I like I don't know what you want to do. And that's going to be the key. When you go and watch the Central game, Robert Morris, any games that Campbell's been successful, the guard, guard-center-guard combo always works very well to up to the second level. They're able to neutralize the defensive tackle, or nose guard, whatever whatever the defense may be, and the guards and whoever are able to get to the second level. If the offensive line is not able to do that due to Devontae Davis, Katron Evans, then Campbell's going to be in serious trouble. And also, Haj Malik is going to have to play his best game of this season. He's had some huge games over the past two or three seasons for Campbell. He's going to have to play his best game. This weekend, that's talking about limiting turnovers. You're going to have to be composed in the pocket, and you're going to have to get out of the pocket and use your legs at some point as well. You're going to have to be a dual threat guy and turn those plays where Bethune, Alabama State, would lose eight, nine yards. you got to get out of the pocket and turn those into positive gains or turn those into neutralizing plays. Julian Hill at the tight end spot is a player to note. 85 for Campbell. He is 6'5", 260, and he is almost like their Kamari Everett in in some sense. And I was I was talking to some people offline about this. It's going to be extremely interesting um, to see if they use Travis on him. If you remember in the FAMU Jackson State game to open the season, Travis Hunter played exclusively on Kamari, the tight end for FAMU. I want is I'm going to be very interested to see if they use Travis in a similar fashion and put him on Julian Hill because. You have Nugget on one side. You could probably stick him on whatever receivers on the other side, but do you allow Travis to travel with the tight end? And and that's going to be something I'm really interested to see is where they match all these guys up now that everyone is healthy. Where are they going to put Nugget? Where are they going to put Zay? Where are they going to put Travis? Where are they going to match up the safeties? That's all going to play a major role, and I want to see what Jackson State's uh, – what Jackson State's defensive scheme and attack is. I think they're going to bring pressure. I think they're going to load the box early and they're going to trust those corners one-on-one on the outside. They, I think Prime, the defensive staff is going to trust their defensive backs to make plays. They're going to they're going to trust them on islands. They're going to trust them to play in one-on-one coverage and it's just going to come down to who makes the plays. Is it going to be Campbell's wide receivers or Jackson State's DBs? And right now, I I do, I do give the edge to Jackson State's DBs, especially the cornerbacks. And if if I'm if I'm being honest, man, at the linebacker spot, if you're running some sort of four-two-five, something like that, or or even what a a a five-two, whatever, a five-two-six or five whatever it is, I would bring Cam. I would bring Cam in the box a lot. I trust Cam to play in the box, be physical, and I think his speed to the edge, not allowing Campbell to break any runs, is going to be extremely interesting. I really do like Cam playing a little bit more downhill this game. You mentioned Shiloh. He 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 can play in the box as well. I mean, he's a big hitter. He's got a big body, and so I wonder if they're going to start using utilizing more of those big body safeties rather than even like a Herman Smith because Herman Smith is great out in open space, but Herman Smith... If, if he gets caught up in the traffic, he he doesn't have the size to handle himself there. And so I'm interested to see the personnel choices for Jackson state and for Campbell. If you don't, if you don't run the football for at least, I, I would say 175, it's going to be a extremely long day for you. You're going to have to get Bryant Barr in that running back room rolling. Absolutely rolling. And I agree with you, man. I like, I like cam in the box a, a little bit more than Shiloh. Um, I just think his versatility is something that makes him extremely special. And 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 then on then on the other hand, it's also how did the defensive ends do in terms of run defense? Doyle's back healthy. You you have um I'm blanking on the kid's name that um has been playing before Doyle due to his uh due to his injury. But Niles Gaddy two on the outside. Niles Gaddy has. Has done an excellent job this year stepping up his run defense. I've seen a complete 180 in how he plays to run, not being over aggressive, not leaving backside gaps open. What, yeah, Reagan. That that's thank you, Zoe. Yeah, Reagan too. Reagan's played a hell of a Reagan and Jeremiah Brown are two names you got to watch too. But Gaddy, to me, is another quote unquote money game for him. People last year really picked on his size. His over pursuit and, and sometimes undisciplined, uh, his tendency to be a bit undisciplined in the run game. He's been extremely talented in that this year. If Niles Gaddy and these defensive ends are able to just play their assignments, not get overpowered by these big offensive tackles, Jackson State's going to have a great chance to win this game, too. And yeah, True Thompson is back. Uh, let's see, Burgess is going to open everyone's eyes. That's a name that I haven't heard this year, man. Um, Let's see. Campbell's run defense isn't that well. I assume they're going to play the pass more. So JSU's run this game where Savion needs 120 to 150. Let's see size. Derek, I said last year. Last year. He put on a lot of weight from last year is what I was saying. Travis is not registering. No. No, Travis ain't registering. Travis should play this game. Uh, Travis should definitely play this game. But they're gonna Campbell's going to run a lot of power runs at you, and it's just going to be up to Jackson State to hold them. If they make Campbell one dimensional, Jackson State runs away with this game. Just going to be completely honest with you. Um, and for a score prediction, listen, man, Campbell's sitting at four and two, two and zero in Big South play. Jackson State, top ten team in the country, six and zero. I give Jackson State the advantage of this one. And I told you guys if I had to pick a line before the game, I would say Jackson State's probably about a nine and a half point favorite. Um, Probably a nine-and-a-half-point favorite come Saturday. I got Jackson State winning this one. I got Jackson State winning this one 31-20 this weekend for homecoming. And I think Jackson State and Campbell play a really, really close first half, especially with Jackson State's history of not starting super fast. And I do think Campbell's defense is going to play well early, similar to how they did against ECU and William & Mary. But I do think Jackson State has too much talent right now and too much depth playing at home. And I really do think they're going to try to make this a statement game. I think they pull away late in the second half. And so give me Jackson State 31, Campbell 20 this weekend in a very competitive game that Jackson State pulls away in for double digits after the game. And also another thing to watch, um, let's see let's see uh, Campbell has played better competition than the school who lost to Texas Southern Played two high schools. <laughs> special teams going to be huge. Yeah. Both, both special teams are, are really, are, have been great this year. Mata has been a savior for Jackson state and camp and Campbell's sec, uh, special teams has been really good. They had a, what a special teams touchdown though against central too. I think they blocked the punt and returned it. Um, but yeah, I think 3120 would be my prediction uh, this weekend. I think it'll be a really, really competitive game. And luckily, my game should be just about done um when this game starts. But let me let me get to some of these calls. They've been waiting. 0658, you're live. 0658, you're live. Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? What's good, man?
6: Oh, uh, nothing much. All right. Well, um, I just got a few points I want to say. You know, shout out to Zoe Phillips. Shout out to um uh, Kenny. Um, talk a talk, but uh, I, I just want to say this. I've been saying this on everybody um show, and I'm gonna I'm going to continue to push this narrative. I believe that this is poetic justice for Travis, and here's why. It was at JSU's homecoming that he had decided that he wanted to attend Jackson State. He, wanted, he, he decided he wanted to go and play for Coach Prime at homecoming. And although he did play that FAM that game, I still look at that as a preview because there's not too much personnel you can pull from that. You know, a couple of breakup passes here, you know, uh, you should have got to pick uh, one or two times, but there's nothing. He's going to play on offense and defense this game. And so I think it's poetic justice for him. And uh, I, I do believe Malachi, we should see Malachi, uh too, but if not, I definitely think that it's going to be poetic justice. I think Travis has a uh, – uh, I, you know, I, I believe he's a standout player, and I think he's going to um, show out his game. And um, not saying that that's going to be the factor, but I think that uh, Travis is definitely going to be an impact player in his game.
0: Hey, man, I, I like the prediction. I agree. I think if you're going to bring Travis back, you got to use him, right? hmm I mean, I, I completely agree with you, man. I agree because I, I heard you on Scotty's show earlier too, man. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's a bad take at all, man. But, hey, I appreciate you calling in, man. Yes, sir.
1: Thanks,
6: man. All right, bro. Appreciate you.
0: Yep. We got Mr. Campbell here. Mr. Campbell, you're live.
7: Nephew, great job. But okay, so let's let's break this game down. But I want to give it from another perspective. I think I've told you just before one of my good friends is a scout that has this area, this region. He told me something because we were talking about this game. He's gonna be attending this game and scouting this game, looking for players. He said something interesting to me. He said this is a cliche game, Steve. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said simply the cliches of football. Turnovers, time of possession running the ball, special teams. He said, now I'm going to start doing check marks, and then I'm going to see who has the edge now. He said, basically, other than the turnovers, Jackson State should have the edge. They got the better quarterback. They got the better defense. But the one thing he said to me that concerned him was the tenor, how Jackson State has been acting this week. He said he wants to see more Jackson State be Jackson State. Because what his concern is, is that they come in this game tight because they know what the expectation is. Because, he again, he scouts this, he talks to these guys, and they know the noise that's been said. They've got to beat Campbell. They've never played anybody. And he wants to see those guys to be loose. And he said if Coach Prime does not give a Coach Prime speech, and he said he's going to try to find out if he can see it live, and if he doesn't get that speech, that's what's going to concern him. Because he believes if they play loose – and to play exactly the way he's supposed to play, this should not be a problem. But his concern, and I'm not saying that Jack State is not doing that, but he is one want- because he scouts them. And one of the things he gave me, a couple of players that he's looking at, he wants to see Niles Gaddy not run up the field, as you said, because he now he's going to put a one-on-one matchup he's going to check. But he also said to me something that he wants me to look at. The quarterback draw by Campbell on second and long situations when – Jackson State run this and puts them behind the sticks because he said what Jackson State does is then they they go into their man-to-man, right? With the defensive backs, with their backs turned, and then Campbell will then do the quarterback draw, and they might go for 30, 40 yards. I thought that was pretty impressive, just that analysis. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. He said those are the type of game plays that Campbell is going to need because they're not going to be able to go blow for blow. They're going to need shock plays. And turnovers to win this game, so that, I, that's kind of the thing that I, you know, that I kind of saw with their blue.
0: I thousand percent agree with you. And if you watch the central game, that's how things got out of hand. Every time central had Campbell in kind of a precarious situation, Haj Malik would get out of the pocket and kill him for like 30, or they'd miss a tackle on a wide receiver on a screen pass and they hit him for 25, or the wide receiver or tight end would win a 50 50 jump ball. And it was just consistently something killing the momentum. And the one thing that worries me, and I'm sure your scout would would agree with me if you talk with them, when I look at Campbell's schedule, the closest team that resembles Jackson State defensively is William & Mary. William Mary's got a hell of a defense, and especially a defensive line. I just talked about Pius winning the Buck Buchanan and being on pace to beat Isaiah Land's stats from last year, and they got an All-American on the other defensive end spot in Nate Lynn. And, you know, Campbell's offensive line is built to run the football. They are a bunch of guys who are big, bruisers, mean, and when they come downhill, they come with bad intentions. But John Pius, being that he was 6'2", 240 or 230, he's so fast, man. And if Niles Gaddy and those linebackers can use the speed rush effectively, I do think they're going to be able to get to Haj Malik. And as long as Aubrey and the linebackers play disciplined football and don't get lost in the fray or or the, the trash, as they call it, inside the box, they'll be just fine. But if they get pressure and Aubrey and these linebackers are on discipline, things could get really out of hand really fast. But as long as they can utilize the speed rush up the field like William and Mary did, I think Jackson State is going to be able to make it very hard on Haj Malik to get comfortable in the pocket.
7: Now, now let, me, let me put one thing out here. And you know, Mr. Ford is a dear soul to mine. But I, I got to give Mr. Ford a little bit of history. And when he said about, and I'm not going to use the language he used, about Southern beating FAMU. Here's the problem with that. Southern University has been talking about playing Jackson State since the beginning of the season. And Southern is going to make that game in Jackson their Super Bowl. And the problem is they play FAMU the following week. Southern's going to be too spent to think about FAMU. And when Jackson State runs them up and down that field like they did, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're not going to have any energy to come down there to Tallahassee. And the same exact thing happened last year. They had the game of the year against jackson state they thought they had Jackson state beat jack state beat them guess what we came to their home and beat them because you have to have a level of discipline to play back-to-back big games like that and southern does not have the level of quarterback to have the discipline to play two big time back-to-back games like that so he can say whatever he wants but southern has shown nothing that they have the level of offensive discipline to go into jackson And then turn around because everybody in Southern, they've been talking about the Jackson game. They have homecoming they're talking about Jackson game. Is that focused? And they're going to go up there like we all know. Anybody from Jackson knows this. It's going to be everybody from Baton Rouge in Jackson, and they're going to lose. And you think they're going to really care about their family game? No, I'm telling you. And I'll bet anybody $100 on that. Because I have seen that happen too many times on back-to-back with Southern playing back-to-back big games. Happens all the time to them.
0: Plus, going into Bragg is going to be brutal. Is that, is that going to be a late kickoff, or are they going to put that one midday? Do you know already?
7: I, I needed to check. I, I do not know. I think it's going to be midday. But if, if if it's a night game, then it's really problems. That's but a, I'm that's telling a fact. you, Southern is going to leave everything on that field in Veterans Memorial Stadium. And they still gonna lose by 20. Because mm. Jackson State is not gonna have it. Oh. Not at
0: all. I agree. So, so I gotta ask you as a FanView fan, because as you know, I've had a million DMs from FanView fans asking me about FanView's path to the playoffs and how I feel about their chances in the playoffs. Looking at just, you know, because you know some of the teams that you guys would be matched up against if y'all ultimately made it. Is there a matchup that you would feel comfortable with FAMU winning this year in the first round?
7: Well, OK, Blue. I, I, I'm a realist. We are not going to the playoffs. It's just period. We're going to have a good season, 9-2. and two, But we have not, our body of work does not allow, because we're going to have to get Ed Lauer's bid. I can name four schools right now that are ahead of us, and it's not going to fall the way it fell the last time when Mercer lost. Was well, It was Mercer, right, Blue lost the last week?
0: Yeah, and Mercer really, lost the last week. we secured that bid? Yep.
7: It's four schools now that I can name right now that are ahead of us. So that means all of them are going to have to at least lose twice between now and the end of the season, and I don't see that happening. So hey, I don't think we're going to even make the playoffs, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. This team has not fundamentally shown that we are a dominant. Team. But I will say this and I'll let you go. I know you got a lot of comments. But here's why Fam keeps winning. Because the SWAC is so is lacking quarterback talent. We just frankly had a better quarterback. And our quarterback actually makes one more play than somebody else's quarterback. And if you look at every game that we played, because our defense has actually been pretty stout. But when the offense needs, we make one more play. South Carolina State quarterback couldn't make a play. Grambling's quarterback couldn't make a play. We don't play anybody with a good quarterback for the rest of the year, and that's how we're going to win it. And we got one funny game, and I will agree, Mister Ford, that game down in Montgomery against Alabama State. But something's not coming in and bragging. We're not losing to anybody else. We're not, we're not losing to anybody else. And who is family play? We play the same team that everybody in the Swag East has played. That's who we played.
0: <laughs> same team. I knew that was called same
7: team Jack State played, we're playing. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. So who I mean, we can all say that. So there's one dominant team, which is Jack State, and I love that, I'm glad. Now and you know what, Blue, let me say one other thing. I I gotta say this too. I don't understand how people that are HBCU fans as SWAG fans can root for Campbell. This is a big game for the SWAC conference. Because what if we have, and again, this goes way back, and I see my boys and Jackson State has played in these games. They've got to win this game. And we as SWAC fans should want them to win this game. Because if they don't win this game, we know what's going to be said Monday morning. And me as a SWAC fan, a Jackson State fan, a FAMU, an HBCU alum, I don't want that said about Jackson State. Because I want my dominant team in the conference to be dominant. I want them to be dominant. So to all you Swag fans, allegedly, you should be rooting for Jackson State and not for Campbell because there's not one time Campbell's going to do anything for any of y'all. And I just got to, that's my personal, and I'm sorry, Blue, I didn't mean to do that. I know that's no, not your show, but I, right. I'm a fan. I'm a Swag fan. Cause, and I the, want Jackson State to win.
0: I, I know you agree with me. The comparisons to that, because I've seen, because I watched Scotty's show and I saw the comments The comparison that's like SEC fans don't root for SEC. It's a lot different than SWAC fans rooting for you know an HBCU rooting for another HBCU. Like there's a huge fundamental difference in me not rooting for Alabama and a Southern fan not rooting for Jackson State because if Bama goes and loses, it doesn't affect Auburn at all. It doesn't affect the SEC's perception.
7: Well, let me let me say this. I don't mean to cut you, but let me tell you what my point was. And you know, I know a lot of SEC guys, relatives, everything. Here's what I mean by that. Because people try to major on the modern, well, of somebody playing. I'm talking about just the overall fundamental. SEC fans are not rooting for Ohio State to be the SEC team. They're just not. They're not. Now, I can understand the alabama Auburn thing. But I'm just telling in general, you're telling me the general SEC fan is rooting for Ohio State to be the SEC team?
0: No. It's not. It's not happening.
7: No, it's not happening. So that's what I am saying. Don't play that game with me. I'm. I'm around these guys. I sit out and drink with these guys. The SEC fans are SEC. Look, you hear the SEC chant. Yeah. So don't. So why is it that we're different? So yeah. I said, so but people say, oh, that's a lot. That's why I know they don't watch SEC football. There's no way they have pride in that conference. Of their team, and again, yeah, with you, and again, it's it's different. But I'll tell you what, if Bethune-Cookman is playing Campbell, I'm not rooting for Campbell to beat Bethune-Cookman. That's our rival. But I'm not rooting for Campbell to beat Bethune-Cookman. That makes no sense to me. So, again, I think a lot of people need to check who and how they move because that says a lot about you. And I'll say this, and this is my last thing. I'm glad I don't move that way because I root for everybody's swag, and I'll leave it at that.
0: Hey, Mr. You. Campbell, appreciate you. Nine two two one, you're live. Nine two two one, you're live. One last time. Nine two. Two one, you're live. All right, you can call back when you get that worked out. But um, yeah, man that that's that's what really uh that's that's what swayed my opinion on this game was watching. I went back because I watched the game live, and I and you know I always like to go back and, and double check like on film study for games I'm really gonna break down, and. That William and Mary Campbell game, man. Every time I went to I went to analyze this game, stuck out in my mind because that's that defensive line in front seven for William and Mary is built a lot like um, a lot like Jackson State's front. And you know, Niles Gaddy's a little bit bigger than a, than a John Pius, and and I think he's more like a Nate Lynn type guy. But they have speed on the edge that gave that gave Campbell's offensive tackles a lot of trouble and so um th- that that game for me what what they were able to do if you you can find it on YouTube by the way William and Mary Campbell is on YouTube you can uh you can find it on there but if you watch the game they were able to get upfield on on Campbell the defense ends were able to to, to set the edge beat those offensive tackles off the football. And what they were able to do was pressure Haj Malik to feeling extremely uncomfortable. And he threw three interceptions that game. Haj Malik threw three interceptions, one a pick six, and that's why Jalen Jones won player of the week um th- that week. So I just, I just don't if if Campbell can't run the football, man, I, I'm extremely worried that if these defensive fans are able to just pin their ears back and get upfield, Campbell's going to be in a lot of a lot of trouble. Three, four, five, four. You're live.
8: Hey, what's up, brother? This is Larry Sargent. What are you doing, man?
0: What's good, man?
8: Uh, I know the the topic of discussion is JSU and Campbell, and I'm I'm root for JSU. I remember last year when uh, Coach Dion Sanders got on the uh, YouTube or whatever, or maybe it was Instagram, and he said he was sharing for FAMU in the playoffs. So how are we? Gonna not cheer for GFU, JSU against Campbell. Come on. Um, but uh, I really wanted to ask you your thoughts around the uh, NCCU versus South Carolina State game.
0: Yeah, I talked a little bit about it earlier. I just, I've. Seen oh, I'm sorry, that. I missed. Oh, no. No, you're good. We could talk about it again because that's another big game I know a lot of people in here care about. Um, I just I haven't seen anything on film that gives me any hope. That South Carolina State can compete with them. I, I know Agreed. that sounds I know that sounds crazy because listen, Coach Pew, a legend, and they have some they have mm-hmm. some talent on the roster. Shaq Davis will be playing on Sunday one day. But as we all know, we just Mr. Campbell just got off the line talking about quarterback play. There's not a better quarterback behind Shador than Davious Richard, Richard. And there's not even a close second in the MEAC right now in terms of pure talent. And they have a great secondary. They got some playmakers, especially the Smith kid at wide receiver. I think he's number 22. Latrell can do his thing at running back and they have one of the better offensive lines in the conference, if not the best offensive line. Where does, where does South Carolina state make their money this weekend? Like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm I, I waiting to hear because I'm sure there's some South Carolina State fans in here. Call, call, call in and convince me because right now I give NCCU the advantage at almost every single position except for maybe D line on the entire field.
8: Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you thinking about in terms of score?
0: Um, it, it, it's still on the road. It's still in Orangeburg. It's still a conference mm-hmm. game. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I said NCCU by ten. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking.
8: I was thinking. It would be like the FAMU score, like it would be close like that, but but no, you you're probably right.
0: It could be. Now let me say this: it could be close all game. I just think similar to my Jackson State score prediction, I think Central probably scores late to, um, they probably score late to pull away. I I, I think that's probably what happens, and I just I haven't seen what I think FAMU held South Carolina State to like um, what was three it?
8: three quarters?
0: Yeah, well. That, I'm talking about their running game. I think they held them to less than 10 yards oh. rushing. Yep. And they had eight yards rushing against North Carolina AT. If Central is able to just load the box and put this game on Corey Fields and you got Davis Richard putting up points on the other side, I just – I don't know how you, uh, how you give them a chance.
8: Yeah, you know, you could almost tell in the um, SWAC conference meetings in July that North Carolina – Central had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, I literally heard. I think I heard. I, you know, I have to go back. Uh, but their coach said this was a get back year. I was like, whoa.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did. At the I mean, at MEAC he, Media Day, he, he uh, you know, he called yeah. out HBCU Game Day for picking against them. Like just in the interview, he mm-hmm. was like, oh, I, I saw that in y'all's poll. Like, in and there's not that many teams better than us. And then in the in the interview i had with trey oliver who's the head coach he said last year he thought they mm-hmm. were still the best team like this was the year that they were going to prove that they were the best team in the MEAC. because if you remember they were one score away from beating south carolina state last year and they would have been the team in atlanta facing yep. jackson state if they win that game
8: that's true that's true yeah all right i gotta go to bed anyway take care
0: zero
3: five five eight you're live hey blue I, I enjoy your show uh, I had um, two questions two questions for you um, the first question is I noticed the uh, center for Campbell is playing with a cast now, you think that's a disadvantage for him against a formidable JSU d line
0: um so he's been playing with a a broken hand if I'm not mistaken for since before the central game if I'm not mistaken I don't know if he'll still be in a cast this weekend or if it's just precautionary but so far it hasn't affected his play especially because when you when you watch Campbell they do a lot of double and up blocking he's not one-on-one a lot and I think one-on-one it would cause some problems but the fact that they're always doubling and he always has like a free hand, some, and especially because when they're working up or he has help on that weak side, it, it makes it a little bit easier for him to work. And also, if anyone's played offensive line, it's really not a huge disadvantage, especially if you if you can get into the chest of somebody and the fact that he has so much experience playing with it, I wouldn't say that it was a huge disadvantage for him because we've all played, if anyone's played offensive line, you've played with the cast, you've played with your hand wrap. You, you've 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 done that before, so I think offensive linemen are prepared for that. To be honest with you, just in my opinion, and based on you know when I was playing as well. Okay, okay.
3: And uh, my last question is: I hear uh, a lot of people say JSU's strength of schedule is not very strong. Uh, so, answer for me if you would: Why would the uh, reporters rank them number six uh, among FCS teams? If they hadn't played anyone,
0: um, be, it, it's such a hard question to answer because I can only speak for how I vote because I have them top ten too. So I'll speak for me because there's 54 other voters, man. Plus the coaches poll, like I can't, I can't speak for everybody. But I will say there are some conference biases because they did receive two first place votes, and I don't even think Jackson State fans think that Jackson State should be receiving first-place votes at this point. Um, but for me, even though they haven't played a significantly difficult schedule, I still think Tennessee State is a better team than their record shows. Their, most of their losses, one one was a loss to Jackson State, and they lost to a D2 team when they were missing like double-digit starters. And you're seeing now that they're getting healthy, they're rolling. You know what I mean? I mean, they they beat Bethune just as impressively as Jackson State did. I I think that Tennessee State wins a quality win. I think the FAMU win is a quality win. And the way they beat FAMU, too, is something that I don't think there's a lot of teams in the country that would have beat FAMU like that.
3: Right. Um, It seems like people take um, um, out on Jackson State their their dominance. Um, When they dominated uh, FAMU, they take that out on Jackson State. But... You know, Jack State dominated that team, and they were supposed to be a good team at the beginning of the year. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, they definitely were. I the, the biggest thing, you know, their strength of schedule isn't the best, but I still think Jack State's a good team because there's a there's an argument to be had when you're a voter. You could still tell, even against lower competition, if a team is good or not and you do your best to compare, like, okay, so when I vote, if Jackson State played X team, who do I think would really win, and how did these teams match up? And I got Jackson State top 10 because I think they would beat most teams in the country, but when you're a voter and then you're starting to say, okay, between seven and eight, these two teams are here. I think they're about equal. I think strength of schedule should be a secondary measure, on how you place teams if that makes sense you should rank everyone based on how good you are based on the odd test based on the film study and then when you have decisions to make in terms of exactly what spot they are then you use strength of schedule then you use whatever whatever other measure you want to use the analytics to make the fine distinction so you could say william and mary jackson state xyz are all top 15 top 10 teams and then I use the secondary measures to kind of order those teams, if that makes sense.
3: Last question, Blue. So William and Mary is ranked uh, considerably lower than Jackson State. So why do you think people uh, don't think Jackson State can beat
0: Campbell? Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I have not seen too many analysts who actually Uh watch the game that have picked Campbell. There's a lot of people who are rooting for Campbell because of their hate for Jackson state, but I pick Jackson state. Um, the guy who's over uh, was named Craig Haley pick Jackson state. I would guarantee Sam Herder is probably going to pick Jackson state tomorrow or Friday. Whenever he, uh, whenever he uh, drops his predictions, uh, I think, scotty today pick jackson state I, I haven't seen anybody pick campbell that has actually been analyzing the game i'll be honest with you so I, I don't i don't think many people are picking campbell to win this game unless you're a campbell fan or unless you're someone who is hating on jackson state
3: hey that, that's all i got blue thank you so much
0: appreciate you man All righty. and hang on i saw a comment here because uh, uh, let's see where to go. Hang on. I'm going to get to these next few callers. Uh, I I got to see the power ranking because CBS is power ranking. Not number one. Lawrence Sneed, who had Jackson state won a few weeks ago is not number one. I don't think there's a power ranking in the FCS that they're number one. The Massey ratings, which are the full analytic power rankings do not have the number one. So I don't know what you're looking at. Seven, one, six, six, you're live.
2: Hey, what's going on, Blue?
0: What's good, man?
2: Not much. Um, First of all, y'all, make sure y'all like the stream. Um, Second, let me go ahead and kind of get it out of the way. Um, I got a final score of um, 27 to 17 for the um, JSU-Campbell game. Um. I actually think Campbell's going to probably go into it, you know what I mean, probably leading at halftime, but then, you know, I think JSU, you know, bounces back because, you know, they got they got a habit of the slow starts, but I think JSU bounces back, and um, I, I just think, you know, I mean, we talked about it before, the game breaker is really games, man, like it's just like, you know, I think you kind of risk your other, you know, DBs, you know, trying to play man on Every other receiver, but and really can just break the game open so crazy. And then you know, even if times get bad, you know what I mean. You put Travis at you know receiving. I mean, that's just it's just ugly, you know what I mean. So that's my um prediction on the game. Um, also I wanted to ask you a question because um you know um first of all, shout out to you if y'all haven't checked out Blue website,
9: please do because if
2: you a bet man. I mean, Blue, you were spot on on a lot of your picks. I, I And I don't understand what these guys, you know what I mean, these sports would be thinking about. Like, you know, i seen that um, there was a – what was it? I want to say Tennessee State was a, a two-point underdog versus, you know, Tennessee Tech. And I'm just thinking, like, absolutely not. You know, i seen, um, I think Alcorn was a eight-and-a-half underdog against something. I'm just thinking, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like, I just – for the life of me, I don't understand where they're, you know, getting their logic from. Um, I know you had said on a previous show that you see the lines come out on Friday. I usually only see them of uh, the morning of the game. Where where do you see them on Fridays? At?
0: It just depends on the week. Some of the lighter weeks, some of the sports books will drop them early. And I, I think I saw someone tweet some out last Friday night um, f- to find early lines. You just got to follow some of the top names in the FCS. So like Sam Herter, Craig Haley, Reddit, FCS post a lot of um, betting stuff. It's just it also depends on which sports book. I, I forgot which one that Craig Haley posted last week, but they had them pretty early. But the ones that you see on like the ESPN app and things like that usually drop early Saturday morning. So probably about 7, 8 a.m. is where you can probably find most right. of the lines, which is annoying. But don't worry about the lines being inaccurate, man. One, people people understand because they don't put a lot of effort into FCS lines. But with them being so outrageous, if you're really into betting, bet on FCS games because the lines are ridiculous. And you are honestly going to be making a shit ton of money if you even know like a quarter of FCS football, and that's how you really make money is you're betting on those outrageous lines because, like, no one thought Southern was covering a damn near 10 point spread against Alcorn.
2: Man, I and the blue, I promise you, you're not lying because I mean, um, I did a, a little 15 um little parlay on, um, I want to say I use uh, is it Fordham, the um, your boy Demore plays for him? I think I used um. To his team, I use um, in corner word, I use uh, Jackson, Alcorn, and um, I use South Dakota State and uh, Tennessee State, and we, along with some other games for that weekend. And I made a nice little check, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I'm not tripping on them being inaccurate on the lines, but it just boggles my mind that you know, like, after all these weeks, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not getting as much bets as you know, the big boys, but you would just think that, you know what I mean, they would kind of put it together. But, you know, like I told everybody, make sure y'all check out Blue's site. You know what I mean? Blue's pretty spot on with, you know, his scores and, and you know, his winners, man. But, Blue keep up the good work, man. I think you're doing a great job.
0: Appreciate you, man. All right. Let's
5: see. Nine two, two,
0: you are live.
4: Hey, how you doing, Blue?
0: What's good, man?
4: Oh, nothing much. Look, I want to say as a, a Jackson State fan, I am very excited about this game and the implications that this game has uh, for Jackson State. You know, I, I look at Campbell as a formidable opponent, but, I'm, you know, I'm I'm moving for Jackson State, and I'm looking at the implications. If – we blow out Campbell. I feel that that exponentially pumps our program up, helps with the recruiting, and also helps Dion think about saying and seeing this what this program can actually do. Now, if we lose, I feel like you know it's the the. the uh, the polar opposite that it, it puts a dent in our program kinda like I wouldn't say the South Carolina State win. Uh I mean uh, South Carolina State defeat in the celebration bowl set us back. But it gave fuel to those who doubted the uh and doubted the program. You know, it's this uh narrative that we haven't played anybody and I agree we haven't played anybody. And that's why I say at some point we have to leave the sweat. But I'm just looking at those the, those two opposite implications. I feel like for Jackson State, even a close victory wouldn't help us. It has to be a, a big-time victory. And what I want to say is because of these implications, I feel like Deion looks at that also. Deion is understands the two – you need to really take this program to the next level is more resources and better recruiting. And this game means a lot to us as far as both of those aspects. And uh, that's the first thing I wanted to say as far as the, the entertainment and the money side of it. The second thing, last thing I want to say is about actual football. Me personally, I want to put pressure on Campbell just like they want to put pressure on us as far as running the ball. And I feel like Jack State can do that by only playing Travis at wide receiver and bringing Malachi Wideman back to play wide receiver also. Because the one thing I feel like we're lacking on the Jack State offense is that real deep ball threat. You don't always have to connect on the deep ball, but just having that threat there stretches the field out, makes them have to cover more uh, ground. And right now, the only deep ball threat we have is a shorter receiver who I really don't like going the deep routes on the outside, you know, maybe in the slot position if you get favorable matchups. But having Wideman out there, you could put him out on the outside and with his height and speed and uh, hand skills, that becomes a threat that they have to honor. And even having uh, Travis out there uh, gives you that same threat where other things underneath can open up. The running game will be more effective with that deep ball threat. We haven't had that real deep ball threat this year because I feel like we were missing Malachi and because we haven't had a Travis there. So my question to you is, would you play Travis primarily on the offensive side, and also, do you think having Widman out there uh, playing at least twenty-five percent of the snaps, and Travis out there playing twenty-five percent of the snaps, puts us in a, a, a more dangerous um, uh, my uh, category going up against Campbell? Um.
0: So I will disagree with you on the whole deep threat take because Willie Gaines, even though he doesn't have the size of Wadman, has really developed as a major deep threat, especially in crucial situations as we saw in the Tennessee State game. So I I do think there there is a deep threat on the roster. I think where Jackson State could better utilize Wadman is in the red zone. Where you know he racked up a bunch of touchdowns last year due to his size due to his uh ability to play vertical he that will solve some of the red zone woes um that Jackson State has had this season and as for Travis, I think it just depends on how healthy he is behind the scenes because we know he's gonna play um it's just is he really one hundred percent? or is he more like 85 90% because if if there's any doubt in your mind that he's not 100% healthy I, I say just play him where you need him it this doesn't have like if you're Jackson State this doesn't have to be the Travis Hunter show just play your game and get out with the win man if 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 he's needed more on defense play him more snaps on defense if the game dictates that you need a game changer at wide receiver then play him more snaps at wide receiver i don't think um I, I, I'm i not going to say to limit his stats. I'm just saying I think on the defensive side of the football, I think that's where he's going to really, really show out.
4: Okay, let me ask you this question. As, as far as uh, number 10 guy, his, his name slips my mind, but Man I Gaines. agree with you that he's been a big-time baller. Yeah. But my thinking is to have two deep threats out there that you could put on both sides of the field makes them more dangerous. What do you think about that?
0: No, I mean, listen, the more deep threats and the more just threats at wide receiver that you have. Yeah. uh, Give me all of them. Listen, I want as many deep threats. I want as many good wide receivers as you can give me. So. But, um, but Hey man, I'm going to get to these last few callers, but I appreciate. Okay. Thank you,
4: man. Have a good one. I appreciate your program.
0: Yeah, appreciate you. Eight zero eight zero. You live. Hey, how you doing?
9: How you doing?
0: What's good, man?
9: Hey, I just got a couple questions for you. I don't know if you talked about it or not, but uh, I want to talk about the poll. The polls. I saw that uh, UI UIW was ahead of. Jackson State, and I wanted to get your opinion on, on why you think that is, because I, I looked at their schedule and who they played, and uh, they they really ain't beat nobody with a winning record yet. I think they had one team that was three that was three and three, and uh, the other teams they played was, ain't none of them got a winning record right now. And I don't know why they tied with us or ahead of us in the polls,
0: as far as Jackson State, I'm Jackson State, man. And I want to get your opinion on that. So, Incarnate Word and Jackson State are very interesting because, yes, Jackson has an undefeated record, and Incarnate Word is sitting at, I believe, 6-1. and one. The problem is UIW has a top-10 win on their resume against Southern Illinois, and they also have a 14-point FBS um win on their resume over Nevada on the road too so they have a they have a top 10 win an FBS win and a top 40 strength the schedule right now in terms of FCS teams so they kind it in my poll I have if I'm not mistaken I have Jackson State one spot above them but them William and Mary and Jackson State so those three teams um are the three teams that I think you could order them any way you want because William & Mary also has that big FBS win and on top of having a ranked win on their resume. A lot of voters are saying Incarnate Word has a Walter Payton candidate just like Jackson State and Lindsey Scott Jr. They have an FBS win and a top 10 win. Their resume is more impressive than Jackson State, so they're going to put them up one spot above Jackson State even, even with how impressive JSU has looked.
9: Okay, well, I'll let you take it. Uh, I I feel like that, I I mean, that's that's a good point, but I feel like Jackson State is what, it's only five teams in the nation in the LCS that's undefeated in their conference. Uh, UIW is, if I'm not wrong, third in their own conference, not even winning their conference. So I I don't believe they should be nowhere near the top ten. They're not even winning their division, which I think that the sweat, the top teams in the sweat, I think BAMU, I think Jackson State, I think Southern can compete in the Big South. And uh, and one more take I had was, uh, oh, JSU by 40. But <laughs> That's it.
0: That's <laughs> hey, that. man, appreciate you calling, man. All right, man, you have a good one. You too. Um, Listen, that. The FCS, okay, we got we have to stop applying FBS top 25 rules to the FCS. An, an undefeated record in FCS is not the same as, as it is at the FBS level. Uh, their loss was on a Hail Mary to a division rival who is in, in southeastern on the road, and then they still have the top 10 win and an FBS win. And I got you, but let's just put it in perspective here. None of the top sixteen or undefeated six teams are number one in the poll. South Dakota State's number one. They got a loss, a four point, um, a four point FBS loss. So an undefeated record at the FCS level isn't like the end all be all. It depends on who you lose to, the way you lose, and also it uh, really and truly matters more about who you beat and how you beat them. And and that that's going to be completely honest um, about that. To be honest, we're not going to the playoffs. The ranking isn't very important. It's just eye candy. Man, it's good pu- uh, publicity. I understand that the rankings don't play a a major role moving forward for Jackson State because they're not going to the playoffs. Uh, but it's still great for Jackson State to be able to tweet out those graphics and tell recruits, man, we're still a top 10 team or a top five team, whatever whatever you want put to put the mo- – you know, say, it's, it's still great to to be able to put that out there, man. Great recruiting tools on top of the staff that they already have. And I, it does matter at the end of the day for them, just in terms of a pride perspective, Wayne. And, and that, that's kind of where I would have it. It doesn't matter in the ultimate grand scheme of things, but it does matter in terms of like school pride and promotion and things like that. Ultimate grand scheme of things. Six, five, four, one. You're, You're live. Like school pride and promotion and things like that. Six five four one. You're live. Hey,
10: um, yeah. So anyway, about those rankings, uh, I put it up in the chat that JSU is uh, number one in the power ranking. Now they got this uh, college football poll, poll.com. They got uh, this cubic generated ranking. They got JSU, Jackson State, and number one right. And so I'm comparing it to another poll, the NCAA uh, Top 25 uh, FCS poll. They pretty much got the same teams uh, in the, from like 1 to 10, or 1 to 13 um, in the same ranking as far as uh, what I'm seeing here on this collegefootballpoll.com. They, they're not too far off. They got maybe like maybe 10 teams out of the 15 from the uh, – Difference, you know, like 15 as far as like the rankings, difference from uh what uh, the NCAA has, man. So, I think you guys got to check that one out, man. It's collegefootballpoll.com. So, it's a power ranking. I I never heard of it, but I I watched everything, I've seen everything else, the Yahoo and everything else. But uh, this is pretty accurate. It just got his Jackson State number one. So, anyway, uh, yeah, as far as Campbell and stuff like that, man, um. Uh, took time to watch them and stuff like that. Watch a few of the games, at least the only games they got on uh ESPN are the games they won. Uh, I saw a couple of highlights of the games they lost. It's speed, man. Speed hurts that team, man. I'm telling you, I look, I look at the Robert Morris uh, game. And those guys was, I mean, Campbell had size, and uh, they, they beat those guys up pretty good. But uh when those those defensive linemen hit the gaps, those those offensive linemen had uh trouble with those uh small defensive linemen when they hit gaps. You know, they had trouble blocking them and stuff like that and with the uh passing defense uh, – offense, you know, defending the uh uh, you know, the, the pass rush and whatnot. So uh and then what I saw with North Central, uh was that what was that North Central they beat up, you know?
0: Yeah, North, so like, North Carolina Central. that
10: issue. Their issue is that them lining straight up with them. They can't line up straight up with them because they're just bigger and all they do is like choppy steps up front when they when they block. If you see it, they like an sumo stance stance. And like you said, they, they double team this zone blocking. They do a lot of zone blocking when they're moving up front because they they, they high tempo and stuff like that. I don't think they have time to point out who they're gonna block. So they zone block. And if you stand up right in front of them and stuff like that, head-to-head, head, you're going to get ran over, especially if you got a small defensive line. So I don't think uh, Jackson State is going to uh, have that issue. we got about, like, what, five? Or, I, I counted about five defensive linemen, but the guys that start, like, interior defensive linemen, they're, like, 300 pounds. So I think they can match up as far as, like, size. Uh, and then got a few other guys about, uh, you know, about 290, 270, as far as, like, you know, defensive linemen. And then, uh, you know, that they can rotate in and out as far as going up against that line. But other than that, they hit the gaps, man, and disrupt that zone blocking. Because pretty much defending the run is just disrupting the uh, the uh, the flow, man. You know what I'm saying? If they trying to block left and go right or whatever like that, you have gap assignments. So if they stay on their gap assignments, they shouldn't have no trouble. It's pretty much the same discipline, man. Every guy has to be responsible for the guy they're supposed to pick up since they do, do the uh, QB option and stuff like that. But that bubble screening and stuff like that they be doing and dinking dunking to the, uh, the tight ends and stuff like that, they throw the ball out to the flats. Don't be surprised if Jackson State get gets a pick six. I'm thinking like, man, the defense got to sc- score get some interceptions and stuff like that because uh, other than that, it seems like the other teams they they beat up size was the issue. Size, size was the issue, and then so and then as far as like wide receivers and stuff like that, they use tight ends a lot with the slant. That's the only thing they hit up the middle. And that's against zone defense. You know what I'm saying? So they do that a lot. You know they slant a lot. That's all your do on the slant all the time. And then but anytime they go deep and stuff like that, the wide uh, the uh, the QB was overthrowing the uh wide receivers and stuff like that. They only got that speedy wide receiver, I think you had mentioned um uh that freshman. Yeah, man, they they only uh they came and throw deep to him. They came and throw deep to him. And then Robert Morris was able to get a deep pass on them on uh uh play action play. So they bite hard on a play action because they dedicating on uh you know stopping the run. And then they running backs are um they they they're not dynamic. They're big running backs. What they got like two guys about six foot, two hundred something nine pounds. Yeah. So yeah, I've been looking at the same man. They they keep their head down. That's pretty much it. But they don't they don't uh they don't have like any juke moves or anything like that. The break the break open and stuff like that. They just hit the gap. And a lot of times they have their head down. I don't see any stiff arms. I don't see anything dynamic. They don't even use their wide receivers. The, to, uh, uh the, to, uh, I mean not wide receivers. They don't use their running backs to catch balls out of the backfield and like that. They ain't got even. They, they got. They really don't have much. The uh, state they really doesn't have much to worry about, but gap assignments. That's it, and keeping that dude in the pocket so he can throw, cause he can't throw downfield, man. He overthrew, like so many wide receivers, man. I watch these games; he's overthrowing all these wide receivers, man, throwing picks and stuff like that. Like you say, he throws a lot of picks. I, if I'm Jack. Say I wouldn't be worried because all it is a high, te- high high tempo, dink and dunk offense. That's it. But uh yeah, that's all I gotta say, man. As long as they have gap responsibility, man. Uh this dude tries to throw deep, man. Uh Jackson State getting in those. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if him throwing to the flex, man. Jackson State is gonna uh somebody's gonna jump the ball and, and take a pick six, man.
0: All right, man. That's all hey, I wanna say. Pre- appreciate your call, man. How about that one? An hour and fifty-three minutes in, man. How about that one?
10: Seven zero zero five. You're
0: live. Oh, they hung up. I think this is Timona. Uh What's what's up, T? You're live.
11: Hey, I said I'm gonna have to keep it short and sweet after that long ass call. You ain't lying. Oh, so I just wanted to ask about um because I know the trench play is going to be very important in this game. I just wanted to ask about the status of number seventy two Is he out for the season? How do you think that will affect the o line
0: um I don't know if he's out for the entire season if i for what I was told, he's probably out at least this game, minimum, you know. It's worrisome because the biggest thing for Jackson State last year was chemistry and continuity at certain positions along the offensive line. And so it's always a concern when you lose a piece of that. And let's just be honest, Jordan's been playing a hell of a season or having a hell of a season. The question becomes, can his backup give you at least 75%, 80% of what he has? And I think, De- if I'm not mistaken, Debo – is, I think, the backup, and he has a lot of potential, and a lot of people were talking about his potential coming into the season. He's going to have a test this weekend, because if I'm Campbell, and I know your one offensive tackle is out, the, when the offensive line breaks the huddle, wherever he is, I'm putting Brevin mm-hmm. Allen there. Attack it. Right. Yep.
11: So, I just wanted to comment on the game real quick. I think that Um, Coach Prime always talks about how important trench play is. So for me, I think that the test will be the battle of the special teams. So um, some players that don't get mentioned a lot, uh, Sam Johnson, he's the punter and he does a really good job of pinning that ball close to um, the opposite teams like behind the 20-yard line and then um another player that does really good is Jacob Polite he's I think he's a long snapper number 37 he was able to pin the ball on the one yard line I think twice this season so I think for this particular game like the kickers and the special teams are going to play a big role in making sure that um the defense is in good field position to get the ball back. Um, I think it's, I said 35-14, but I think this game is going to be a lot closer because I know Coach Prime said he's going to allow everybody to play. So we should be seeing QB 2 And I think that's one of the reasons why maybe Shador was trying to get all those touchdowns last game is because this game, everybody should be able to get some time.
0: Yeah, they're going to have to pull away if if we see QB, two. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about I don't know prom's mentality going into homecoming, but like how how big of a lead do you have to have to be comfortable to to bitch your your starting quarterback in a game like this, especially against the team receiving votes in the top twenty five? I mean, what, 21 points, probably? I think that'd probably be, what, the minimum, especially if it's early fourth I, quarter? I was
11: thinking that Shador was going to actually sit out after the second half. We had already pulled away by so much that mid-third quarter, I thought he was going to be sitting. And it was kind of like, uh, I, I can understand. I don't know. I don't watch Fordham, so I don't know does that quarterback play every quarter because if he plays every quarter including the fourth quarter there's no way you're gonna you can't catch up to that like it's just not happening
0: he he has to play I think I think he had one game where he only played half a game but Fordham's defense is atrocious he's got to play like if he doesn't put up those stats they probably lose to be honest with you so right
11: so what I'm saying is like Everybody says, oh, you're padding the stat, da 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 da, da when they talk about Shador staying in longer than third or longer than the beginning of fourth quarter. There's no way for him to catch up because the quarterbacks that are shooting those numbers, they're playing for the full duration of the game. So at this point, he just needs to, I guess, beat the slack, um, I guess, keep on the numbers so that he can beat the slack record. But as far as, like, beating them, it's not going to happen because he doesn't stay in the game the whole time.
0: Yeah, the better comparison for Shador's stats this year will be Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott, who would be my number one vote for the Walter Payton, he set out a handful of halves. But the problem is when he sits out in the second half, his first half stats were 400 yards and seven touchdowns last week, which is just... Insane to put up in one half a football against an FCS opponent. But, yeah, DeMora is going to win the stat battle. Where Shador and Lindsey Scott could win the award or at least win some votes is their performances in big games because I still think strength of schedule is going to be held against him DeMora and Fordham because the only big game that he has on his schedule right now is Holy Cross. And if he doesn't perform well against Holy Cross – there's a lot of voters that are going to be looking at him side-eye. And coming into the season, DeMoret had to perform well at Ohio and Holy Cross. In the FBS game, he threw, I think, six or seven touchdowns for 500 yards. He's going to have to put that up against Holy Cross if he's going to want a chance to win the award just because of the perception of what Fordham football is.
11: So are they padding stats? Is it the same or
0: Um, not really? Okay, so... Fordham's quarterback is not padding stats because the game's still in jeopardy. I don't think you can pad stats when he's throw when he's throwing from behind or throwing to win the game. Now, people say, quote-unquote, padding stats are when you're up by two, three scores late in the fourth and you're still trying to put points on the board, trying to put up yards. And I don't have a problem with stat padding. I'm of the mindset of, man, everyone watched Last Chance You here. Buddy Stevens said, we want to put 70-80 on you. We want you to feel disrespected by us and not like me because we're that good and beat you by that much. So I think you should stat pad. If if you can't stop me, that's your fault. That is not my problem. If you're upset with what's on the scoreboard, then recruit better players, then coach better football. And that's that's my mindset.
11: Okay, Blue, thanks. I'm gonna get off. I'm not gonna long wind you.
0: <laughs> hey, I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for calling in. 7005, you're live. Hello, Blue. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, man,
3: I'm so glad I got through. Man, love your show watch it all the time, but and I'm a JSU alumni and diehard fan, and I'm calling in with a request. If you could get the people calling in for JSU to identify if they're fans or if they're alumni, because I think the alumni are getting blamed for some of the stuff that the JSU fans are calling in and saying. So if you could just make that clarification for me, man, I sure appreciate
0: it. I got you, man. Listen, I might have to do two call lines, one for alumni and one for just newer fans.
3: Please do that. Please do that. <laughs> I said I wanted to call Scotty to tell him the same thing. I think the alumni might be getting blamed for some of the foolishness that gets called in. And I'm a diehard GSU fan. DSU alumni, let me say that.
0: Hey, I, I feel it. And, and I think that's a problem with 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 everybody, man, because everyone gets in that mindset of like if they have a problem with like You know, someone calls in, they're like, oh, man, I'm a... You can just group even at the FBS level. Like, one bad fan can label a whole fan base for, like, the end of time.
3: (laughs) Right, right. I've listened to the guy that said Incarnate Word had no business near the top ten. I'm thinking, really?
0: Are you not paying attention? (laughs) They they haven't. And that's what kills me, because I've watched because I wanted to kind of get the pulse on what everyone thought about the game um, this weekend because it's a big game, and I know everyone wants to talk about it. Do you know how many Jackson State Campbell videos I watched where the person on the shows or or the, in the comments or whatever said, I haven't watched but one Campbell game. I haven't watched a Campbell game, but here's my <laughs> thoughts and analysis on the game. It's like, how are you giving an analysis on the game and you haven't watched a single game of the team that you're about to give the analysis on. It is it blows my mind, man.
3: <laughs> I, I know what you mean, man. Now I will admit, I do expect us to win, but I am I am concerned about that Campbell team. I think they can give us a fight if we're not careful.
0: It, it, it goes back to what Mr. Campbell said earlier. Jackson is the more a more complete team, which you, which is what you would expect. Jackson got a bunch of instant impact transfers in that highly ranked recruiting class. Campbell got a bunch of high school freshmen. It's going to take a little bit of time to develop that talent. They're probably a year or two away from really competing in the FCS playoffs. They're still a talented team. They're well coached. I think it'll be a great test for Jackson. But if Jackson goes out there and doesn't convert in the red zone and turns the ball over like they did against Tennessee State early, it's going to be a... It's going to a be long a tough homecoming. game. It, but if Jackson plays an A plus game like they did against FAMU, then it should be a blowout, and it's just that simple. It, like right. Mr. Campbell said, it's a checkmark game where who has more turnovers, who wins the time of possession, and who has the least amount of penalties. Whoever has the most checkmarks is going to come away with the win.
3: Completely agree with that. Completely, agree. we're in a great position, but we have to execute. We have to execute.
0: Yep. That's what. That's all right, what man. That's all to. I wanted.
3: To, that's all I wanted to say. If you could just do that for me on separating the people, man, I would greatly appreciate
0: it. Hey, thank you for the call, man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Keep doing. Oh man, hey, that was that was a, you know that was a good last call, man. I'm gonna shut down the call lines. We're gonna end on a high note. I don't want that roundtable thing to happen where like I take just too many calls and, and we end off on like some random note way out there. But um, man, huge weekend of college football i'm going to be in chattanooga this weekend listen uh just y'all are on here man almost 300 of y'all next week there i might have a double header coming y'all's way for the fcs uh you know travel schedule um i'm going to (laughs) uh i'm going up to north carolina i'm either going to be at north carolina a&t campbell or elon delaware they're really close together about two hours i don't even think two hours i think it's like 45 minutes apart 30 minutes apart maybe an hour depending on traffic i might uh i might be making it to both games so i might be covering north carolina ANT campbell early and then ride over to elon delaware get two two film uh two highlight tapes together get two photo galleries together man make sure to go check out the galleries on um on our website but man to end the show Let me address what what he was talking about, the power rankings guy. Um, The the power rankings he was talking about are the Congrove computer rankings for FCS. So pretty much... They, so the BCS took into account a bunch of computer polls and compiled them and made the BCS rankings. That's kind of what the Massey ratings are for FCS. So the Massey's, the Massey ratings take the Congrove rankings and take all these other rankings and compile them together and come out with a composite analytical analysis on what these teams are really ranked. And the Congrove uh, computer ranking system is just one of the many computer systems that rank FCS football. I don't know what goes into the computer ranking, anything. But for people wondering about the validity of the Congrove computer rankings, Princeton is a top 10 team. Um, just wanted to throw that out there. They have Princeton at number nine. And just just for also comparison, they have South Dakota State at five behind Holy Cross and scrolling down. They have Penn Penn. I don't know how many people know who Penn is over William and Mary and Delaware. They have Harvard over a whole bunch of really good teams. And they have St. Thomas and all these pioneer teams who don't even have scholarships in like the top 30. So that is uh, <laughs> that is the Congrove computer rankings for you right there. Uh, just to kind of just kind of give some backstory, um, on on what those rankings are. I agree, sir. Uh, you, <laughs> it, you, UTC. If they beat Tennessee this weekend, sir. If if Chattanooga, if, if uh, UT. Oh, you said UTC. Okay. Yeah. Chattanooga will jump very high in my rankings if, if they beat Mercer this weekend. I thought you were talking about UT Martin serve. And I was like, if UT Martin beats Tennessee this weekend in Knoxville after what they just did to Bama, I am um I'm putting them number one in my poll. I just <laughs> joking, but yeah, that's the type of thing. But yes, you uh Chattanooga will jump really high if they beat Mercer. That's a huge matchup for them. It's really one of their first giant tests. Of the season, but yeah, UTC will jump if they beat Mercer. I will, I'll give you that. He said maybe the GPA is in the logic. <laughs> he, he He said the the computing is not. The computers are not computing. I love it. If you go to those games next week, stop stop by uh, Town Soul Food and Winston Salem. Trust me, I got you, Leo. Man, I'll let you know uh, where I'll end up next week. But guys, appreciate y'all tuning in huge week of college football man i'll be back tomorrow with the round table i got the coach's corner with coach fred from alcorn state dropping on friday and we might have some special episodes this week uh, official predictions for the fcs drops on the website tomorrow you can catch some, some more breakdown of the games we talked about tonight but up until next time guys the blue bloods are out <laughs>